All right. If you are responsible for one of these little people who uh, who went out one of these doors here, or you know, hopefully you'll claim responsibility, um, and, and they are in the older age group of the people that went out the the kindergarten through second grade, I believe. That group is no longer meeting in the multi-purpose center or the multi-purpose building. They're meeting over in the children's wing. So when you go to pick up your your child, you'll go to the children's ministry area to that that main room there. It makes it nice if you have a child in both age groups, you're you're going to the same location now to to pick them up. So just wanted to let you know about that. If you're no longer wanting to take responsibility for one of those children, be sure and let one of us know so we can take care of that. All right, open to uh, 1 Peter. Once again, I know that is no surprise, but uh, we're going to continue two more weeks in, in 1 Peter leading up to Easter. If you were wondering where those words came from related to that song that we were singing, that's the verse you know, put to music, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. On the back of your worship guide, you'll notice that there, that verse is printed. And then also below that is just a skeleton outline for our sermon today. And so if you're wanting to follow along during the time of Bible study, you can use that worship guide and hopefully take this home and and practice that memory verse. And now that you have music in your mind to go along with it, it's so much easier to remember. These little kids that go out prove all the time that we remember things when it's put to song versus just remembering it by rote memory. And so you've got that song, you've got that verse to take with you. Uh, but this morning, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. And so let me read those verses for us as we, as we get started. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, Under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word put to music as we've celebrated from the very beginning of the service. We thank you for your word given to us here to to read and, and to think about what does it look like to live this out in 2014. Ancient words, but words meant to be lived out now as your people. And so, God, open our hearts, open our minds to that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't you love being humble? I mean, it just makes you feel so good about yourself, doesn't it? Um, it, It's not easy to to be humble. You know, only the the really great ones uh, achieve that that humility. It's just so much work to, to get there. Uh, some people are, are so humble, they don't even pronounce the H at the beginning. It's just humble. You know, they're, they're that humble. Um, this, I, I really worked on that joke a couple of weeks ago, and it went better. But, uh, you know, the idea that, what does it mean uh, to be humble? Humility is like that piece of paper 
that blows away from you in the parking lot, and, and you run after it and pursue it, and in the process of catching it, you crush it. And just when you think you got it, you realize you, you destroyed it in that sense. Have you heard the term humble brag? Humble brag is a new term that has been introduced into our, our English vocabulary. It was uh, created by a comedian who writes for one of the series on, on NBC, but he created the, the term humble brag to refer to those people who want you to show sympathy and amazement at them at the same time. You know those comments like, for example, someone's at the award show and they're receiving an award and they just say something like, I just haven't had much time to, uh, to work lately on my acting because I've been so busy, you know, helping those kids with my charity. Well, in one sense, we're very humbled that, you know, that you help those children. And at the other sense, we're not really feeling sorry for you that you're winning this award, you know. Or when I bought this Ferrari, no one told me I would get pulled over all the time. Well... We're so sorry that you got pulled over all the time, but none of us, you know, are showing sympathy because you own this, this Ferrari now. Or, you know, I was going to that charity event the other night, and I dropped, you know, I bumped into my good friend Drew Brees, and we were just hanging out and talking about life. Well, you know, that's great that you knew Drew Brees, but you don't need to name drop that in to make us feel sorry for you in any, in any way. It, this shows up on social media all the time, on Facebook or, or Twitter or things like that. You see people humble brag. You, they want you to feel sorry for them, and at the same time, they want you to stand in amazement of, of what, they've, what they've just done. It's like the preacher who says, you know, I just didn't preach my best sermon that day, but my hand was just so tired from signing all the Bibles beforehand. And so... Uh, that, that would be a humble brag. That would be something. When we think about being Christian, when we think about what does it mean to be Christian, and especially what does it mean to be Christian in 2014, humility, humility should be one of those things that characterizes our lives. And yet when you think about Christianity in general, and you think about the way that Christianity is sometimes portrayed on TV with certain uh, shows or certain preachers on TV, humility is not always the term that comes to mind. One of the things we want to think about from the very beginning this morning, and hear me clearly on this so that we don't get off on the wrong foot, one of the things we want to think about is that it is possible to be humble and not be a Christian. In other words, just that very simple reality that you're going to meet some kind, gentle, humble people in the world but just because someone acts humble does not make that person a Christian. Being a Christian has to do with our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But on the opposite side, when we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the result of that should always be humility. When we realize that our life is not our own, that our life has been given to us by God, and that we have a problem called sin that we cannot fix on our own, and it's only through Jesus that that problem called sin is taken care of, there's no room for pride in that lifestyle. There is no room for pride in that way of thinking about life. When we realize that Paul, when he was talking to the people at Philippi, he said to consider others as more important as yourselves. How do you do that? Well, you have the same attitude that Jesus did. Even though that he was in very nature God, 
he did not consider equality with God something to be held on to. But he emptied himself and took on the very nature of a servant by, by becoming human. And being found in human likeness, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so when we think about following that kind of Savior, that kind of Lord, humility should be one of those things that characterizes our lives. And it's unique here in 1 Peter chapter 5. Who does Peter begin with when he talks about humility? He begins with the leaders. Because if you're talking about an organization, or you're talking about a family, your family, if you're talking about a church, humility will flow downhill. Oftentimes, if you're part of a sports team, and you have a coach that's full of himself, he's going to have a team of players who are full of themselves because it flows downhill. Conversely, if you're a part of an organization or a team or a church where the leaders are displaying humility, that attitude is going to flow downhill. And so Peter begins in chapter 5, verse 1, with the leaders. And so that's the first point of our sermon is very simple, simply humble leaders. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Here's what Peter says. He says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Notice that Peter, uh, who even in some religious groups is elevated to a position above other leaders in, in that idea of of uh, church leadership throwing, flowing from Peter through the, through the Pope. Peter here is identifying himself with the other leaders. He's not putting himself above the other leaders. He's saying, as a fellow elder. And so that, that should tell us something right there about church leadership, of the example that Peter is setting. But he's saying to shepherd the flock. As a leader, by the very nature of that position, there's always this tendency to say, look at me. I want to have the attention. I want to have the power. Even the way that church auditoriums, church sanctuaries are set up, where's the focus? Like, uh, it, it's on me. You know, it's, it's right here We're, by the very design of our chairs. And so it's so easy for someone in leadership. And, and this is literally where I preach to myself. It's so easy to say, look at me. It's all about me. And you know what happens in churches and what happens with pastors is you develop, develop this cult of personality. I'll be a part of that church because their pastor is well known. Or I really like that pastor, and so I'm going to be a part of, of that church as if it's about that human being to begin with. We exist as a church, not for me, but for Jesus. And so if I ever do anything to even elevate myself anywhere close to that to say the attention comes to me, we've missed the whole point of what it means to be God's people. That we exist as a church not for our own good, not for our own building up, but for the spread of the gospel, for the advancement of God's kingdom. And so it doesn't matter if it's this church or any other church that you visit. If you ever feel that that church exists for its own good, or if that pastor exists for his own popularity, beware. And if I do that, if I ever go that direction... You need to confront me and say, Owen, I feel like your popularity, your position is becoming more important than who Jesus is. 
And, and God forbid that we get to that point, but there's, we're human, and, and things like that happen. And so what we want to say from the very beginning is that as God's church, being Christians, is based on this idea, it's fed by this idea of humble leadership. So how do you do this? What does it look like? Well, notice something. There are three terms that, that Peter uses here to talk about leaders. The first is elders. He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. That, that term elder, did anyone grow up or maybe you're still affiliated with a part of a Presbyterian church? Anyone grow up in a, in a Presbyterian background? We have a, we have a, couple, uh, who, a couple of people here who have grown up in Presbyterian. The, the Greek word, the word behind elder is presbyter. It's where that idea comes from of, of an elder. Or if you've come out of or been involved in any way with a Mormon group, a lot of times they will call some of their missionaries or leaders, they'll call them elders. And you see this term elder show up in different ways. It's a term that has an Old Testament background, has an idea coming from a Jewish leadership, uh, uh, the way that there were elders over the community. Now, I'd like to state the obvious just for a minute. I am not... Some of you, uh, you're elder in age. I don't know the most tender way to put that, but, uh, but, uh, but I'm a younger than, than some of you. And, and so uh, what, what do we do with that idea that, that I'm fulfilling that place of leadership, but I'm just so slightly younger than some people here? Elder, by the very nature of these early church communities, referred to those men in, in the family who had the place, and let me give you two words, responsibility and respect. Those people who are occupying the places of responsibility and respect. And so, yes, there, there is an element of awkwardness that comes from the fact that the pastor or, or the elder is younger. And, and I want to learn and keep myself open to those who are older in the faith. But, but specifically referring here to a position of responsibility and respect. So there's the term elder, but then look at verse 2. It says to shepherd... And, and shepherd there being used as a verb. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That term shepherd there is where we get the word pastor. So that is the term pastor. So you have an elder and then you have a pastor. The King James Version, I believe, there says to feed the flock. There's this idea of a shepherd doing the work of caring for the flock. And so you have the term elder... Then you have the term pastor, and then you keep going. It says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. That term exercising oversight is where we get the term overseer or bishop. Uh, try this out again. Did anybody grow up in an Episcopal church or an Episcopal background? Anyone have that background? Once again, we just have just a, a handful of people coming from an Episcopal background the Greek word behind this is episkopos. It's where that term comes from, the idea of overseer or bishop. And so we have three terms here. Elder, responsibility and respect. Shepherd, the one who feeds and cares for. Overseer or bishop, the one who has responsibility or oversight. All three of those terms being used in an interrelated which means that in the Baptist church, we make a big deal out of the term pastor. But when you look across scripture, the term pastor is probably the, most, or the least used of these particular terms. 
If you want to look another place in Scripture, Acts chapter 20 uses all three of these terms in an interrelated way. And we'll actually talk about that more tonight at 6 o'clock, the idea of how the church leadership is, is set up. But the point being that you could refer to me as bishop or pastor or elder, and all of those terms kind of encompass what it means to be involved in church leadership. How do you live that out? Peter gives three ways that leaders live this out humbly. And these are powerful verses. Look at the end of chapter, or not chapter, the end of verse 2. So we shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So the first is, leadership in a church should not be forced. I don't pastor because I have to. I pastor because God is driving me in that direction. It's what he's placed in my heart to do. If you ever feel like a church leader is doing their job because they just have to, it's usually a sign of an unhealthy situation. Secondly, not being greedy, but eagerly. If a person in church leadership ever has the standpoint of what do I get out of this, you know you're going down the wrong road. Church leadership, humble leadership, is not what I can get out of it. It's what I can do for you. Third, not being prideful, but serving. That, that word there in verse 3, not domineering. That term is the same idea that shows up in Mark 10, 45, when Jesus says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. I don't exist. Church leadership does not exist for you to serve me, but for me to serve you. When our Savior sets that type of example, Christian leaders who exist for their own good or their own popularity have completely gone off the Christian map. Why is this a big deal? Why, why even worry about this idea? You're like, oh, and you could have preached yourself to yourself in your office and saved me this trouble. You know, why, why do you need to listen to me talk about church leadership? Because we are constantly, constantly, as a church, as God's people, in danger of distracting people from Jesus because we put the attention on one particular individual. And oftentimes that ends up being a church leader. And if we ever do anything that draws attention to ourselves and takes attention away from Jesus, then we've added this toxic influence to what it means to be the church. And so we have to gather together and say that we will do nothing. We will do nothing that detracts or distracts from Jesus. We will do nothing that takes people's eyes off Jesus and puts them on one of us. And so we stand together under this idea of humble leadership that God gives us here in Scripture. But there's not only humble leaders, you have to be humble as well. <laughs> and so there are humble members. Look, look at verse 5. It says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Now, I know you're saying, hey, it doesn't pertain to me because I'm not younger than you. Well, in, in the context of this passage, it's talking about those who are under the elders, those who are in the care of the elders. And so, you who are younger... Be subject to the elders. In the ancient world, just like it is today, 
there was always a tendency that the younger crowd was going to rise up and cause a rebellion against the old people. <laughs> and so, and there's a, there's a book that comes after the time of the New Testament called First Clement. First Clement is a book that was written from the church at Rome to the church at Corinth. And what was happening was at the church at Corinth, everything was going along well. The church was healthy, the church was growing, and then some younger men in the church at Corinth decided they didn't like the older leadership. And so they started to rebel against the older leadership and say, we're going to do things our way whether you want to or not. And the dispute between these these younger people in the church and these older people was threatening to divide the church there at Corinth, was threatening to pull it apart. Well, guess what? That still happens today. There's always an element that can grow up in a church or an organization or a team that says, we're younger, we know better, you're just older, you don't know what you're talking about, you're just in leadership to get what you can get out of it, and so we're going to rebel and do things our way. When we go down that road, when we go that direction, it doesn't just, and, and make sure we hear this clearly, it doesn't just hurt the church internally, it affects the mission of the church externally. Because almost never will you find a church divided internally that is doing God's work externally. And so if we are not held together by humble leadership and humble members, we'll have groups of people that will grow, come up in the church and say, you know what, I don't care what the leaders say, we're going to do things my way. My way or the highway, no one cares about me, I'm going to make sure my voice is heard, we're going to go my direction. And we've said my a whole bunch of times at that point. Now, does this mean that you just have to blindly follow the leadership of the church? No. If church leadership is going in a direction that is unbiblical or unhealthy, and we we have a church set up that allows people to speak what, what God is telling to them, but what if it ever becomes an issue of the heart where you think, I'm going to get my way, or if I don't get my way, I'm out of here. That's the danger. That's the attitude that's now moved from humility to pride. And and there might be just a slight moment of awkwardness where you say, Owen, uh, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like, what's going on in our church? Well, well, nothing that that I know of. I I hope not. I don't know of anything that's that's happening. If that's in your heart, please come and tell me. But uh, God gives us his word. And the reason we go through his word step by step is sometimes he gives us his word right at the moment that we need it. Sometimes he gives us his word in advance of when we need it. And so last week we talked about suffering. And you might have thought, well, I'm not really suffering that much in life right now. Yeah, but you need God's word because that time of suffering will come. And our church right now is not in any major disputes between prideful leadership and rebellious members. But that day may come. And we need God's word now to prepare us for when that time comes so that we can say, no, 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 we're about Jesus. And we are going to promote his mission and his gospel and his kingdom, not our own mission or our own popularity. And so sometimes God gives us this word now, not to use it today, but to use it down the the road. Humble leaders, humble members, final point for this morning, humble confidence. Look at verses 5 through 7. So we've we've already looked at the first half of verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger... Be subject to the elders. And then it says, clothe yourselves, all of you, 
with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you or lift you up. And then verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So why be humble? Why have a humble approach? Not because the preacher tells you to, but because of who God is. Scripture is very clear here that God opposes the proud. That if we have a prideful attitude in our heart, God is going to be resistant. He's going to be opposed to that, but that he will lift up. He will exalt those who are humble. It's interesting how God's hand, the idea of God's hand is used in this passage. It says in verse 6, to humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at, at the proper time he may exalt you. So the only way for the Lord to lift you up is for first you to be under his hand. Sometimes we want God to lift us up and then protect us. God says, no, you will humble yourself before me, and then at the right time I will lift you up. You don't decide when you are exalted. I decide that, and that always comes after humility. Now, you knew I couldn't make it through a, a sermon here without talking about grammar, so here we go, all right? Here's our grammar moment for the, for the morning. Some translations at verse 7 start a new sentence, and so verse 6 ends with a period, and verse 7 starts a new sentence with, cast all your anxieties on him. Verses, verses 6 and 7 are one sentence. They, they connect together, and, and so the English Standard Version here does a good job with it. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Then verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Humility. Humility is put to the test. Humility requires confidence in God. You can't say, I'm humble before God but I'm going to hold on to my burdens in life because I don't trust God. Humility is based on the idea of fully trusting God for who he is and what he can do and will do in your life. How do we know if we're humble? This passage says if you want to know if you are humble, your humility will be tested by your confidence in God. If you are casting your cares on God, if you are saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to handle this in life, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I am going to trust you and cast my anxieties on you, then you will know that you are humble, that you have been humbled before the Lord, that he is in control, not you. So how do we respond to this? What does it mean to respond to this type of message this morning? Two things. Here's the first thing I would ask you to do. First of all, Humble yourself before the Lord. And if you ask, am I doing that or not? Here's the first question to ask yourself. Have I given myself fully to the Lord? When we celebrate Scott's baptism this morning, and we see him go under the water and come back up, that itself, the, the very act of being baptized is a humbling experience. To know that someone is going, especially someone like James, is going to put you under the water and then you're trusting that they're going to bring you back up out of the water. That's a humbling experience to be, to be in that position. But baptism itself displays humility because you're saying, I am dying to myself. 
I am giving myself fully to the Lord. I'm showing that. And then I'm being raised up, humbled under God's mighty hand, exalted into the life that he's called us to live. And so my question for you is, have you given your life fully to the Lord? Or are you still holding on to part of your life and say, no, 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 I need control of that. I don't mind church on Sunday. I believe that a God exists, but I'm not ready to give myself fully to the Lord. Well, this scripture would say, then at that point, we have not yet humbled ourselves fully before God. Because when we come to the point of truly saying, you are God, I am not. I have a problem called sin that I can't fix on my own. Only through Jesus is that taken care of. Then at that point of humility, then at that point of humility, we will know what it is to experience the life that God has for us. And if you are a follower of Christ, but you have anxieties and difficulties and troubles in your life that you have not handed over fully to the Lord, this message this morning is a reminder of what humility looks like. Because if you're saying, I can't trust this with God, I can't give this problem to God, then the opposite of that is you're saying, I'll take care of it myself. So who are we going to trust? Ourselves or the Lord? What are you facing in your life? What anxiety, what difficulty, what trouble have you not given over fully to the Lord And do we realize that at the root of that is pride? It's saying, I'll take it instead of God. So we humble ourselves before God. And then the second thing is we humble ourselves before one another. As pastor, elder, overseer, in that capacity, I humble myself before you and say, let's be about the mission of Jesus, not the mission of building ourselves up, not the mission of building Owen up. We are going to be about Jesus. And as we move ahead through the next few weeks, we're going to talk more particularly about what that looks like. And the reverse would be, I hope you would say to me, I humble myself before you. Not because you're great and mighty, but because this is what God has created for us. And so I'm not going to be rebellious. If you're out of line, Owen, if you're unbiblical, if you're going the wrong way, I'm going to come and confront you in love And we are going to clothe ourselves, envelop ourselves in humility as God's people. Because guess what? When we humble ourselves, Christ will be lifted high. And that's what we want to characterize our church. That's what we want to characterize God's people. I'm going to pray for us right now. After after this time of prayer, we're going to have a chance to to sing a, a very appropriate song about turning our eyes upon Jesus, looking to Jesus not to Owen, not to a particular leader, look into Jesus. Let me ask you to use this time right now in in a couple of ways. If you have an anxiety, if you have a difficulty that you know you have not given to the Lord, now is a perfect time to do that, to call out to him. I'll be down here to pray for you. Also, if you're looking for a place to invest your life in a church, and you're saying, I'm looking for a place that's going to stress humility, we're not going to be perfect But we want you to know that we're going to go that direction. And we would love for you to be a part of that. And and I'd love to pray for you in that way. Let's pray, and then we're going to sing this song as a response to the Lord. And I'll be available to pray with you at the front um, as well.